What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number two of In the Clinch, the excuse me, Boys Back Home MMA show, where we discuss everything from the early prelims all the way through the main event. We are going to be covering UFC 258 today, Gilbert Burns versus Kamara Usman for the um, welterweight title. Excuse me, couldn't remember it for a second there. Uh, I'm solo today. My co-host Jeff isn't feeling that well, so we figured we'd play it safe and um, till things feel better or we get results back and stuff like that, we're gonna just you know do our own thing. Or I'm gonna just do a solo because doesn't matter. I took a lot of notes last night and um, you can figure it out. So by myself today, um, we're gonna go into not only we're gonna cover the entire card from start to finish. We also have a couple other topics that we wanted to talk about. In regards to MMA news, so there's been a lot of um, rumblings and a lot of callouts, and it's it's there's a lot. So we'll get into that towards the end of the episode. Um, so let's start right out. Uh, I think there was, I don't remember how many. There was two fights that got pulled off this. Unfortunately, Bobby Green was pulled off this card versus Jim Miller. I mean, if you don't know who Bobby Green is, he kind of looks like if Tech Nine. And DMX had a kid. He'd be Bobby Green, and then he fought the UFC. Um, he's a crazy old. He's a veteran. Just one of those guys. It's a Diego Sanchez esque. Goes in there, sells out, throws bombs, puts on a show every time. Maybe not the most sound, uh, actual fighter per se, but he's still fun to watch. And of course, so is Jim Miller. So it sucks that he uh, that card had to get or that fight had to get canceled. Uh, Bobby Green actually passed out at the weigh-ins apparently. I don't know if there's any video of that or what happened. It had to be from what I assume to be a weight cut. I haven't really read up on it yet. Um, from from what I've heard, though, he's okay. So that's a good thing. Um, and it's not, unfortunately, if you're not an, an MMA fan, uh, it's not entirely uncommon to hear of people passing out from weight cuts and stuff like that because you just put your body through hell to try to just dehydrate yourself for that last couple of days, maybe day or two. And really drop down a lot of water weight stuff like that that you're gonna pack right back on the night before the fight. Um, so we do see people sometimes pass out, and uh, unfortunately, there's been people who have passed away before in the past from it. So it just goes to show what these guys are doing to each other, these guys and girls, um, to themselves, just to go out there and do what they love every single weekend. Um, so we hope that Bobby's all right. From what I've heard, he's doing okay, and. Um, there was another girl, uh, a women's fight, and I can't remember who it was, so I apologize. But there, so there was no early prelims again. Um, so we'll get right into the regular prelims. Uh, Green versus Rowe. Gabe Green versus Philip Rowe. This was Rowe's UFC debut. Um, he he was on the Contender Series in 2019, and he was good. But Gabe Green was um, he was just. Uh, this was an odd fight. There was two odd fights in a row. So Gabe Green kind of just poured it on. He had some uh nasty, nasty leg kicks, like nasty leg kicks in the first and second round. And then, so what, what Gabe Green was doing was he was just beating the shit out of that lead foot, which is something that's become a lot more common now Um, in, in MMA for whatever reason. It's kind of the low calf kick is starting to take off. Uh... And now we're seeing how effective it is. And it, it's odd that it never was like, it's it's kind of like this weird thing that everyone talks about now where no one really knows why it wasn't so popular before, but now it's one of the more popular moves in MMA and it's complete, it's devastating. So he butchered his legs up at the beginning and um, he had him hurt a couple of times. So it shows Philip Rowe in his UFC debut, obviously a lot of inexperience there. And then this was only Gabe Green's second fight in the UFC. And there was definitely some inexperience there too because there was a lot of times in that fight that Gabe Green had him hurt bad to the point where he, like every time he hit that leg, it was just Roe was going down. He couldn't walk on it. So he would kick him, get him to the clinch, and instead of pouring it on, either go for like a choke or like a... It was just odd. It was odd that sometimes I can understand if you're a young fighter and you want to just, you know, make sure you fight the good like a good fight and... um you don't want to make any mistakes, but there's a time and a place to pour it on. And when you have your guy hurt that bad, it's time to pour it on. Uh, and he didn't. He kind of would 
strike him a little bit and then stop for some reason and kind of maybe go to a a deeper clinch or a different clinch move and it, it was it was just odd it was very odd but after in the post fight um press conference Rogan was interviewing him and he's asking him hey you had him hurt there why didn't you just go for the finish and he was like oh well i i had a choke i thought i had the choke like i really did so maybe he did he might have honestly but then he says and Phillips a good guy you know i i, I kind of just wanted to end it early so it's weird I understand that these guys are friends and stuff, and there's lots of fighters who are friends. We saw it in the main event. But, uh, I mean, a perfect example of experience versus inexperience, you look at the main event versus Kamaru and Gilbert, and there was no love lost. There There was no friends in that cage, you know? Even though they've spoke so highly of each other, and they've talked so openly about how they were friends for years, and they still are friends, but they go in there, and they beat the shit out of each other. This seems like he was kind of like, oh, he's my buddy. Not that he didn't want to hurt him, because it is a fight, but you gotta put the you you gotta separate the the friendship from the fighter. Um, once you once that cage door locks, man, like you got you can't think of it as your friend in there. That guy might be the nicest guy. In the, I mean, look at people who fight Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson, the nicest motherfucker in the game, and he's still. I mean, Pettis knocked him out. You know, it's you gotta fight. If you're fighting, you have to fight. You gotta separate the personalities there, but. Still a good fight from Gabe Green, so that was impressive in, uh, in only his second fight. We'll move on now to uh, Uo versus Gutierrez. El Chris El Guapo Gutierrez. I mean, that's a phenomenal nickname. Uh, so there was some great exchanges throughout this fight. Gutierrez dropped with a head kick late in la- uh, round one. And then uh, 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 Uo recovered pretty well. He used his reach really well to slow down Gutierrez because Gutierrez had this crazy pace on him the entire time. And he was really taking it to him. And um, his striking, he, he seemed, uh, his pace and his cardio was top tier. He was he looked great the entire time. Kept pouring it on him. Never gave him a moment's uh, peace or anything like that in there. And uh, <laughs> this guy really likes himself. You can tell that Chris Gutierrez, his number one fan is Chris Gutierrez. Uh, whether it's the nickname or just the way he was interacting with uh, Bruce Buffer and stuff like that. Um, so... It was an odd third round from this, um, because Ewell took a lot of damage. He took a lot of damage, and he dealt with it well. He did get dropped with the head kick, but he that was at the end of round one, and he came back in round two, and he never really, um, like Gutierrez pretty much dominated the dominated the entire fight, but uh, Ewell stood tough and he held in there. He took a ton of shots, and then he at the end of like, <coughs> excuse me. At the end of round three, maybe like the last two and a half minutes, he kind of just like ran around and just kept getting hit with over and over and over. And it was odd because, I mean, he was getting hit with some good shots, uh, some good combos from Gutierrez, and he didn't waver or anything like that, but he just kept moving. And that was another fight where we saw the leg kicks come in because he was dropping no matter what with Gutierrez. I mean, Gutierrez barely hitting him on the leg. He was going down, so... um. Gutierrez now moves to 16 and three professionally, uh, and he's at 135. So yet again, another contender we're gonna throw in with the little guys at 135. Um, that division just keeps getting deeper now, and I expect him to probably get a top, top top 10 guy within the next uh, at least two fights. So good for uh, Chris Gutierrez. He he looked awesome in there. I mean, I loved watching him. He he was quick. He uh he really put his he didn't waste any punches. He put everything together well. Um. His pace was great. His cardio was great. He didn't slow down the entire fight. And um, I'm excited to see his next fight. That should be good. Now we have uh, Poliana Viana versus... Um, I can't remember Dan. Martin. Uh, Poliana dominated. Completely dominated from early on. Almost broke her arm with that arm bar. She was Tony Ferguson-esque where you see the arm hyperextending. And like she didn't tap at first, but... She did eventually tap her out. Um, yeah, Poliana Viana looked very good. Looked very, very good. Um, for those of you who aren't big MMA fans, she uh, went viral, actually. I believe it was two years ago. I think it was on Twitter. There was um, a picture of a guy who his face was all fucking mangled and beat up and shit like that. And it was because Poliana... He tried to mug Poliana Viana in Brazil. Or, yeah, Brazil. And she just beat the shit out of him. And, like, uh, a lot of people were, like, tweeting about it and stuff like that. So she went viral for that. <laughs> and now, um, she said it was awesome. She felt inspired because it inspired a lot of women to take self-defense classes and stuff like that back where she was from. Um, 
and uh, that was just cool to see. It's cool to see here um, go viral for that one, and then also be a phenomenal fighter within the cage as well. Uh, but yeah, not much to say about that fight. She completely dominated from start to finish. Took her down easy. Um, she had her with a good. Uh, she had some nasty elbows too down when she had her in a um, an arm triangle. So. Uh, I mean, not much, like I said, not much you can say about that. She just beat the shit out of her. Now we move on to the fourth fight of the evening. Muhammad, uh, Bilal Muhammad versus uh, Diego Lima. So this is the brother of Douglas Lima, the Bellator champion. Um, crazy pace this entire fight. This entire fight was nuts. I mean, they didn't stop hitting each other for the whole time. And Lima's a tough prick, dude. I mean, he... He took some early shots, very early in the first. Bilal's combos looked phenomenal. He wasn't wasting any punches either. He was just landing and landing and landing. And give credit to Lima because Lima was backed up against the cage a couple times, but he never, uh, he never backed down. He kept t- trading back. Um, I mean, these guys are just tough as nails, you know. And you can see where Diego uh, learned his leg kicks from. He definitely got them from his brother because good. Mu- I mean, man, he had some disgusting leg kicks in that second round like really chopping those legs up and credit to Bilal because he's a tough prick too apparently because he I mean he stayed up the entire time he said after the fight that uh he wasn't much sure how much longer that leg was going to last because it was just butchered if anyone who knows MMA knows Douglas Lima has got some of the best leg kicks of all time I mean he's kicking people like off of his feet with these leg kicks so Diego was doing about the same uh that was um, that was probably fight of the night up to that point. 125 significant strikes landed for Muhammad. More than that, I 125 plus. So that he smashed his record. His record, I believe, was 80 before that. And I think he's gonna get a top 10 guy next. I I don't see why he doesn't. Uh, he, he proved he's on a nice little streak here. Um, I gotta look up what division he's in. I can't remember off the top of my head. It looked like, looks. I think it was lighter than I remember. Let me see real quick. Excuse my googling. I believe he was a 145er, if I remember correctly. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. He was 170. Okay, so 170, welterweight. So, um, I mean, I still think he gets a top 10 guy. I think he deserves a top 10 shot. He, um, he's proven time and time again that he's a legit fighter. Um, and. Let me see his last fight here. I think he's on a nice little win streak here, too. Real quick. Excuse me. I should have had this stuff pulled up already, but... Tough to do solo right now. So he's got... One win. Two wins. Three, four, three. Okay. He's got four wins in his last five fights. He lost to Jeff Neal. But he's 17-3 and three right now. So he's proven to be... Um, He, he has proven... To be a good welterweight contender. But now we look at this. Well, I mean, we'll get to the rest of the welterweight stuff. But there's a fucking monster that runs this welterweight. And it's, there's no answer for him right now. Um, so good for him. Hopefully he can become a contender. You never know. I mean, crazy things have happened. You know, upsets and whatnot. Uh, <coughs> this fight now. This was the last fight on the prelims. Vieira versus Hernandez. Holy shit. What a fight. I mean, this had to be performance of the night, maybe fight of the night. I mean, this was absolutely insane. Um, I think it's a- Alex Hernandez, if I remember right. Let's see, Alex Hernandez versus um Oh god, what's the guy's name? He has a funky Sorry, should have had all pulled up, but whatever. So this fight, uh Rodolfo, Rodolfo Vieira versus Anthony Hernandez. This was incredible. If you didn't see this fight, if you got ESPN Plus, the prelims are free. Go back and watch this fight. Anywhere you can find this fight, go watch this fight. This was unbelievable. Vieira, Rodolfo Vieira was 7-0 coming in. Um, Anthony Hernandez was 7-2, so he's no joke either. But, I mean, undefeated Rodolfo uh, Vieira, he was smashing people too. Like, it didn't really look like there was anybody who was going to stop him. First two minutes of the fight, gets an easy takedown, has Alex or, um, um, not Alex, what, what the hell is it? Anthony, dead to rights, basically. I mean, he had him down. It looked like he was going to tap him out. Hernandez escapes, and 
it was odd because Hernandez escapes and then right away they pop up when they pop up to the feet. Vieira looked like he just fought six rounds before that. Deep, heavy breaths, like completely gassed himself out. Uh, and then this is so that's about two and a half minutes to the first. They get up and Hernandez just starts pouring on and lit him up, lit him up. I mean, whooped his ass. Like it was unbelievable, unbelievable to watch. Incredible heart. He drops Vieira twice in the first round. Vieira is saved by the bell. Um, this is one of the comeback wins of the year thus far. It's still early in the year, obviously, but Vieira was out on his feet for the entire second round. Like they, he didn't recover at all. I, I don't know. Hernandez was thirty to one odds to win in the second round by submission. So if you bet on that, congratulations, hot Richard. Now, uh, <laughs> but it was DC made a comment because um, Rogan said he couldn't believe how gas Vieira looked, and I agreed. I I don't understand why he was. I mean, he really looked like he just had fought before that fight. Um, crazy deep breaths after. It wasn't like he was doing. He was trying to get a choke and a couple other submissions for the first two and a half minutes. But I mean, I understand it's a long time to be really cranking it, but he wasn't like going crazy. Like it was. He had a. I mean, yeah, he's going for submissions. It's nothing insane. It's really nothing. It wasn't anything crazy. It really wasn't. So I don't understand why he was so gassed to that point, because um, he, he shouldn't have exuded that much energy doing those few submissions. So then he gets up. I I guess maybe you know when you start getting hurt, that definitely takes away from it too. And Hernandez cracked him a bunch of times, but this was this was just a phenomenal show. I'm telling you, one of the best fights of the year thus far. Uh, go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. So Hernandez ends up coming right out in the second round, cracking him, dropping him a couple times, takes him down, does a nasty little cut on his face, goes in for the dash choke. I think he ended up getting an uh, anaconda choke and um, and makes him tap in the second round. Phenomenal, unbelievable comeback fight. It was it was it was awesome. To watch. Uh, now we're gonna move on to the main card here. So that was the last one of the prelims. We had Marquez versus Patolo. A phenomenal fight as well. Great fight. Patrol controlled the first two rounds. Took Marquez down at will. Um, But Marquez never lost a step. So he was getting, you could see he was getting a little frustrated with the clinch and the takedowns and stuff like that. I don't think it was something that he expected going into the fight because Patolo was traditionally a brawler up to this point. We hadn't seen him do much of this wrestling. But he had phenomenal wrestling. And he's got legs the size of tree trunks. I mean, he's not a big dude, but he's got the big legs. So he was controlling the cage. Uh, Marquez is a big dude as well, so it, it was pretty impressive to watch him take him down, hold him down. Um, but um, Marquez never lost a step, and he had phenomenal cardio as well. He also listened to his corners perfectly. Uh, so it was from the second going into the third round. His coach was basically like, "Listen, man, step it the fuck up. It's either you get this finish or this doesn't count. Like, because you're down two rounds right now, you need to go in there and you need to go and be aggressive." set up your combos, trust your jab, and all that stuff. And then he went right in there in the third and did exactly that. So that was, that was, it's just like, it's a, it's a coach's dream to have a fighter like, like Marquez. Uh, Patolo's not going anywhere though. He's a great fighter. So he ends up um, dominating the first two rounds. Then Patolo comes, or uh, Marquez comes back. And uh, I, I'm trying to remember the, what he got him with. I think he got him with a choke. If I remember right. I don't remember. I, I believe it was... I know he submitted him, but I'm trying to remember why or how. Um, Marquez, though, I think it was a choke. Ends up choking him out in the third. Late third. So it was all or nothing sellout. Like, you either you do this now or you're not going to win this fight because you're down two rounds. Um, great. Shows a ton of heart. And then he was hilarious in the post-fight press conference. I mean, this kid's... Uh, he's quite the personality. He had a lot to say about... I don't know if he was running something with Dana White or what. It was just something he suggested and Dana agreed to it. Something about the loudest stadiums. Hashtag get loud UFC. Tweet at him which is the loudest stadium. He wants to hear who's the loudest stadium because he's from Kansas City and Arrowhead Stadium's the loudest in the NFL or something. I don't, I, I don't. I couldn't really follow what he was talking about. And then he said he wanted to call someone out. Joe Rogan let him call someone out, and he called out Miley Cyrus to be his Valentine. So that was funny. And I guess I don't know if he tweeted at him or if the UFC tweeted at her, but she said she tweeted back and said that if you shave my initials into your chest, then I'll be your Valentine. 
So I I don't know what happened there, but he came out to Miley Cyrus's version of um Heart of Glass. So it was clearly a big Miley fan. And uh yeah, I mean this guy's super likable. He's a funny dude. And it was a great fight. He shows that he's also a great fighter. So exciting stuff. Uh, he's another um exciting fighter. That's going to be a good fight no matter what fight he's in and he's making it interesting. Uh, I was really impressed with his cardio too for a bigger guy. Uh now we're moving on to Ricky Simone versus um Dude, I can't remember any. I wouldn't remember my name if it wasn't on my license. Um, versus Keller. I believe it was Brian Keller. Ricky Simone fights like a rabid animal. Uh, it's it was insane from the minute the the bell sounds. He's just going absolutely ballistic, like constantly fidgeting on his feet on the ball. On the, the 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 I don't know what the word is. The tops of his feet, like just bouncing around. Never like always got the offensive going, going in your face, growling rah, like crazy, crazy. Uh, he was just shot out of a cannon from the second the fight started, and it caused a nasty cut over Keller's right eye too. And um, Keller, I mean, it was it was a weird placement for the cut. It was like along the eyebrow, going down into the ridge of the nose, and it bled pretty bad into uh, Keller's eyes for the first round. You could see it was bothering him. Um, they never really took a look at it. The cut man did a good job with it. <laughs> Um, but Ricky, I mean, this was about as dominant as he's looked in his UFC career. I mean, he just secured the victory in every facet of the word victory. He was 17 and three going into the fight. So now he's 18 and three. Um, he's yet another contender now among these small guys at 135. So it's like that division's getting so deep now, 18 and three. I have to imagine he's getting some sort of shot at soon. Top seven, top five guy. I, I I would not be shocked to see him get a title fight in the next, within the next calendar year or somewhere around there. Within his next four fights, I think he's gonna fight for the belt. Um, but Kelleher had a couple. Uh, Kelleher had a couple good front kicks, which was weird. He he landed like three or four to the face, which is not a strike that you commonly see landed a couple times. Usually one guy like will catch him with it, a la Anderson Silva. Um. It's not like a common shot, so it was just kind of weird to see him just continually land a front kick to the head. Uh, you don't see that a lot. And then Ricky Simone also had that this funky little front elbow jab almost. It's like he jabs with his elbow. It's like an elbow uppercut jab. I don't know how to like even word it, but he threw it a couple times um, in a combo. And it, it was it's just a, it's a cool shot. It's a tough shot to throw. And you need to be pretty flexible and pretty quick to do it, so... It was cool to see these guys. Um, it's it's always fun to watch the little guys fight, man. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's so fast, so exciting. So it's a good win for Ricky Simone, probably the best of his career. And um, I I think he's very, very likely to fight for the title within his next four fights. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. Now we'll move on to um, Gastelum, Kelvin Gastelum versus Ian Heinich. Ian Heinich had a good opening round with a few Kimura attempts, but uh, Kelvin fought him off and uh, secured a couple real powerful takedowns. So Heinich just was outclassed. Um, those first few Kimura attempts, though, he had one. The first one, he had two in the first round within like the first three minutes. The first one was real close. The second one, not so much. He was kind of just wasting energy. And um, I think he was just kind of knew he was outclassed, so he was... Excuse me. He knew he was outclassed, so he was just kind of just like, oh shit, I might have a finish here. Let me just do this. Come on, come on. Didn't end up getting it. Um, but uh, Calvin set a new PR for takedowns. He had six, and uh, his personal best was four going into that fight, and they were powerful takedowns. Scoops, slams. So he just keeps growing and adapting as a fighter. He he doesn't like... He... It sucks because he's kind of a gatekeeper at this point in his career, but what can you do with that division? I mean, it just murders Roe. So there's not much you can do unless you want to. I, he's I don't think he maybe he beats Izzy if they rematch. Maybe he's he gave him the toughest fight thus far in his career. So maybe there's a shot there. But Izzy looks like he's gonna move up. So uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe Kelvin has a shot then. It's right now. I think he's just gatekeeping, which kind of sucks because he's a very likable fighter and. uh it was his first, I think it was his first fight in a while. Or, 
I'm trying to remember. I don't think I wrote it down. But yeah, I can't. I can't remember if I wrote it down. I don't think I did. But I think it was Kelvin's first. It was his first win in four fights. But he just fought like killers. He fought Jack Hermanson, uh, Israel Asanya, and um, someone else. Like he's not fighting scrubs. He he's not. So it's like you you're feeding him to the wolves, and he's he almost won a couple of them. So it's not to not to discredit him. Um, but I I would like to see him go on another little run. It'd be nice. Uh, Kelvin's a good fighter. He's a likable guy, and he's he's skilled. And like you said, he just keeps adapting, and getting better. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Rafael Cordero. What can you say about him? I mean, he's such a gem. The way he had some great sound bites in this. Uh, absolute legend of the coaching game. Everybody knows that. And Kelvin obviously in good hands with him. So we'll see. Um, if he can continue to improve his game and maybe maybe have another top five run who knows uh maybe, maybe i would not like to i mean i would like to see it why not uh heineck had a really beautiful role in the second to take kelvin's back uh but kelvin stayed calm and he escaped again uh so it was a relatively easy win but heineck showed a couple moments where it's like all right this kid can compete too he's just not where he needs to be yet to fight these top level guys in the division um, two refs also gave Heinich a round in this fight. Uh, like, I mean, like we said last week, if there's not a fucking ref controversy, is there really a card? I, I don't know how any ref could have gave him any rounds in that fight. Uh, but, you know, it's just fucking refing for you. I, I, I don't know. There's not much you can say about that. Uh, now we'll move on to the co-main event. Macy Barber versus Alexa Grasso. Um, this one was interesting. This was a very interesting fight. Macy Barber was... This is her first fight since coming off that ACL tear versus Roxanne Matafari. She is... She was going in as one of... The, she still is very promising, but Alexa Grasso is so tough. Um, Alexa Grasso looked very poised and strong in the clinch. Macy was moving quickly and landing a couple big shots here and there, but Grasso just aged it all. Macy had like a really tough time closing the distance early in the second, got rocked with a nice combo. Definitely not the Macy Barber of old prior to this knee injury, so it's going to be interesting to see where she goes from here because now she's got two losses in a row. Obviously, the one she tore ACL in, so there's not much you can do there. She's tough as shit for finishing that fight and for finishing this fight, but... Uh, I don't know if it's something to do with the knee and psychological. Maybe she's afraid to do what she used to do, and you know, there's not that reckless abandonment. That not that she had that necessarily, but she was definitely obviously you're gonna be more confident in a fight before you tear your ACL than after. She said herself, she's like, it's better to tear it now than when I'm 42 instead I'm 22. <laughs> and. I mean, it's not so much that Macy Barber lost this fight. I think Alexa Grasso Grasso won this fight. Like, she she looked very, very good against a very, very good opponent. So, Macy Barber was the most promising young female um, prospect in the the UFC right now. And I think she still is. Maybe Aspen Ladd. But... She's definitely taken a step back. It's it's since the injury. It's you know, there's not much you can do about it. Grasso's ground game looked great, and she nearly had a head and arm choke late in the second. Uh, Macy didn't look very confident coming off the stool, in my opinion, going into the third. She looked a little rattled. Um, she sold out though. She totally sold out at the end. She did what you want a young fighter to do. She just bit her mouth, guy. Threw some punches. Grasso was tough as shit. She took it all right on the chin. And um, held her own. And then eventually, when she did get rocked, she just brought it right to the clinch. Held her there. It was enough to get the win over Macy Barber. And um, it looks like Macy's starting to just have some holes in her game get exposed. That, thankfully for her, she's very young right now. So she has plenty of time to improve. And um, it's like, it's it's not going it to, it, it shouldn't be a giant issue for her. You know? So it should be okay. She should be fine eventually and like just look back at the tape look what you did wrong and move from there because 
like I said, she's still one of the most promising young prospects in the game right now. And uh, if anyone's going to give Shevchenko a run for her money, I, I suppose it would be Macy Barber. But, uh, I mean, you know, you're asking her to pull off quite a bit there. Um, She's a dog, though, you know. Macy Barber is just, she's a dog. She's tough. They're both tough. So the, you got to give her credit for that. Um, if she had more time, maybe she could have figured something out because she was pouring it on kind of late in the third. And Grasso had to go to the clinch and kind of just like hold her rather than actually strike with her. Um, but credit to Alexis Grasso too for Alexa Grasso for pulling out a, a good victory. So we'll see where that goes from there. Now we are on to the main event of the evening. What a fight, man! Gilbert Burns versus Kamara Usman for the welterweight title. This fight was quick but interesting. Um. So right off the get, right from the bat, you know, intense walkouts. Uh, there was no glove tap from Kamara Usman at the beginning when Herb Dean asked him, "You want to touch gloves?" Gilbert put his hands out. Uh, Kamara said no. Walks away. Uh, so there's a little like it looked like there was kind of like I understand that there is no friends in the cage, like I said earlier, but you thought at least maybe there would be like a like yeah, all right, I know what we're doing, like a little not. I don't think there was a lack of respect there. But that was just interesting. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. And then Gilbert drops him with a huge right hand uh, in like two minutes into the fight. And you're like, oh, my God. I remember being like, holy shit. I mean, he might do this. Like, you know. Um, Kamaro, uh, Gilbert ends up, I think he slipped. He So he rocked him. Had a couple other shots. So you could see Kamaro was uncomfortable. And he didn't. He, he was freezing him with these punches. So every combo. I, I don't know if maybe he didn't respect his power enough, Gilbert's power enough, um, going into the fight and was shocked by it. But you saw once he hit him and he went down every exchange after that, Kamara was kind of like hesitant. He would, uh, he would like, you know, back off faint. Um, he would kind of throw and then back. Like, you know, anytime Gilbert threw, he was just freezing. He, he was freezing him. And then I think Gilbert slipped sort of, a mix of a slip and a leg kick goes down and he was on his back for about a minute and a half and Kamaru lit his legs up. Um, so while Gilbert was on his back, he just kept kicking him, getting him, didn't want him down. Gilbert wanted him to come down to him because he, like he said, he knew he could tap him apparently. Um, but Kamaru said, no thanks. Keeps kicking him, keeps kicking him. And then they get back up. The, and Kamaro cracks him a couple times and rocks him towards the end of the first. So it was a crazy first round. So Kamaro's jab, they, they, I don't think there's a better jab in the sport right now. I, I really don't. I don't. He throws the jab like a hook. Like it's got the power of a hook. Like it's unbelievable. He, it, that jab is so stiff. It is a fucking piston attached to his arm, like attached to his body. It just goes right out. He doesn't waste any space with it. It delivers right at the end of the punch perfectly. Um, tons of, like, unbelievable power. He was stunning him with that jab. So, knocks him, rocks him with the jab in the second round, comes in, starts it off. Immediately, the momentum totally shifted from the beginning of the first round to the end of the second round, or the end of the first round. At the beginning, it was like, holy shit, Burns might do this. By the end, it was like, let's see if Burns can survive this entire five rounds. Because, Kamara, I mean, they stared at each other at the end of the first. Another stare down. He he just knew. He, he Kamara Usman just oozes confidence. Like he knows how good he is, and he backs it up every fucking fight. So they go into the second round. Kamara rocks him twice, drops him, and then gets on top. TKO victory. I had written down here after that first round. I was like, there is some bad blood here. But I think I want to walk back on that because. At the end of the fight, there was just so much respect for each other and stuff like that. But the stare downs, it's just more of Gilbert or Kamaru Usman, like knowing that that is his cage and that is his belt, and you are coming to try and take something that's his, and he just isn't having it. So, fuck. I mean, oh, he is a champion through and through. He's a champion through and through. Every word, every meaning of the word champion embodies Kamaru Usman. He is. He's. He's his nickname. He's a fucking nightmare. He's there's not anybody. I don't think 
I'm just going to read verbatim what I have here. I can't think of anyone with a better jab right now than Kamara Usman. Also, by the way, Trevor Whitman just continues to prove what a genius he is. I mean, Trevor Whitman is so goddamn smart. He's already a coaching legend. We already know that. But he went in there at the end of the second round. At the end of the first round, you could hear it on the audio. He was like, listen, man, this is your jab. Your jab's your moneymaker. Use your jab. Like, everybody knows it. Stop overthinking this and just use your jab. Kamara goes out there, six, seven quick jabs, and it's the end of the fight. So, I think, in my opinion, Colby Covington is the only man with a key to the safe that is Kamaru Usman. I think Colby Covington can give him a solid run for his money again. I think Colby Covington was winning that fight going into the fourth round until he broke his jaw. Again, credit to Kamaru Usman because how goddamn tough is he? It's any adversity he faces, he just shakes it off and it's like nothing. His mind is air vacuum sealed tight. Um, He's one of the best welterweights uh, and one of the best champions in UFC history. One of the best welterweights for sure and probably one of the better champions of all time too. I, I don't personally understand why people are saying he's the best welterweight of all time when George St. Pierre existed. I, I can't I, I, it's not to discredit Kamara Usman at all because he's unbelievable and he's definitely one of the best. But I don't think he's better than George St. Pierre was. It's I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. That's a little that's hearsay, I guess. It's not really important either. But that was just odd to me that like that's what people keep saying. Like people forget how good George was. Uh thirteen straight wins now for Kamara Usman. And three consecutive defensive of his title. So, it's I what, what more can you say about him at this point? It doesn't seem beatable. Like I said, my only the, my opinion is that Colby Covington is the only one who has a chance. I still I up going into this fight. I still I thought personally I've said this before. I thought Colby is the best in that division. But after this fight, no, there's no. I Camaro is definitely the best, but it's very close. I think. Um. Gilbert Burns, I, I mean, we talk a lot about Usman, but Gilbert Burns, man, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, he was an emotional wreck after. You felt, I felt terrible for him, but he's still tough as hell, uh, and he's still, what he's done in the welterweight division after getting knocked out at the lightweight, moving up the weight class, securing this many wins in a row to get the title shot so quickly after moving into the new weight class, you got to give him credit for that too because he's no scrub either. So. I don't know what's next for Gilbert Burns because I don't know what's next for anybody in the welterweight division right now because there doesn't seem to be anybody who can beat Kamaru Usman. So I think we're looking right now at um, a Khabib Adesanya Nunes situation where it's like, well, these guys and girl are the best. There isn't really anybody for them. Um, because they're just so far high and above everyone else. Um, I I don't, like I said, I can't think of anybody who could beat, there's nobody who could beat Khabib. I can't think of anybody who could beat Adesanya at middleweight, not at light heavyweight. Light heavyweight, I don't know. But, um, or let me verify that real quick. Sorry. I want to make sure I got that weight class right. Um, but there's definitely nobody, yeah, middleweight, okay. There's nobody that can beat Gilbert or Kamara Usman right now. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think we, like I said, maybe Colby. That's the only one I can think of because Colby gave him such a good run for his money. But I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now, like, who who even has a shot? I no one. I don't think anybody does. So we're gonna see Kamara Usman holding that bell for quite a while. Uh he had some call outs too at the end. He said he'll fuck up anybody, but he called out Jorge Masvidal, talking shit about him, I guess. I personally don't want to see that fight again. It's I don't think it's worth it. Uh it's I, I don't know. I I don't even love that fight. Uh, I didn't even love that fight to begin with. The only it was it could have been interesting. Could have it was a big could have though. Like it kind of went exactly how I expected it to go, but it was a chance I guess that there could have been some fireworks. I don't know. Um, but Kamara Usman, 
he just demands respect and he gets it. He earns it every time. So there's not much more you can say about him. He, he's a phenomenal champion, uh, a class act too, and uh, it's he is the definition of like put some respect on my name. Anybody who talks shit about him, he goes and he whoops their ass. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it was a phenomenal fight. Phenomenal fight from a phenomenal fighter. And uh, just a shout out to Gilbert Burns too, because he's tough as shit. And hopefully he sticks around the welterweight division and keeps wreaking havoc. Now we're on to, so we wrapped it up. I'll rate the card, rate the main event. Main event, man. I mean, it's not Robbie Lawler or McDonald too, but it's a great fight. I'd say at least 8 or 9 out of 10. And then the card overall, honestly, I didn't think it was going to be a good card. It kind of seemed like a snooze, but it ended up being not too terrible. So I'll give it like a six and a half, seven out of 10. It was, it was a decent card. It was, honestly, it's for a card that really only had one great fight on it scheduled. Uh, it kind of held its own. So I like that. Now we're going to move on to more MMA based news. This is going to be kind of quick. It's not like, uh, something that I have a ton written down on or anything like that. Uh, I'm kind of sick of Dana White just begging Khabib to come out of retirement. I don't understand it. He's done all that he can for this sport. He has proven everything he needs to prove. Anybody you've put in front of him, he's fucking murdered. He's destroyed them. I don't understand. There's fights to be had and there's fights to be made in the lightweight division right now. This lightweight division, even without Khabib, is still the best it's ever been. So I don't get what Dana is constantly bitching about, or I don't want to say bitching, but why he's always just saying like, oh, come on, Khabib, you know you want to come back. Like, yeah, I no, he doesn't. Because he said it time and time. It's, it's getting disrespectful at this point. You should just let the man retire in peace with his family, his wife, his mother, his kids. It's, he doesn't want to fight anymore. There's no reason to fight anymore. He has proven all that he can prove. And I get that there's a draw, with, but the only draw is with Connor Khabib too. There is no other fight to make in the lightweight division with Khabib that's worth him coming out of retirement. That's the only one. And you'd have to pay, I mean, if I'm Khabib, I'd say, yeah, pay me fucking five million for this fight. I'm not doing it for anything like Like, there's no reason to risk any more injury or whatever. He got out relatively scotch-free with, like, as far as injuries go and stuff like that. So why, why, what's the appeal? If I'm Khabib, I'm saying, what's in it for me? I don't understand. I just dominated the sport for fucking eight years or whatever. It's it, There's nothing left for him. There's nothing left for him. It, it's disrespectful. The reason he's not fighting anymore, too, is because if by his words, if this is if he's true to his word, it's because he doesn't want to fight without his father there anymore. His father's passed away, so he's not coming back. There's no... Like, if that's why he's not fighting, then there's no reason to just keep begging him to fight. It Just show some fucking respect for him. Show some respect for one of the greatest champions you've ever had in this company. One of the greatest champions in the history of the sport. And just leave the man to retire in peace. I don't understand it. It's, there's so much more draw still in the lightweight division. It's so exciting still. There's so many fights to make. You don't need Khabib. You don't. So, Dana, if you hear this, shut the fuck up, please. Sick of you. Um, <laughs> what's next for Cosmo? This is interesting. So, Leon Edwards versus Kazmat, or Amayev, I forget which name's first, Kazmat Amayev, or Amayev, I don't know. Um, they've tried to book it four times now, and this is the fourth time someone's pulled out of it. Kazmat pulled out of it uh, due to lingering effects of COVID-19. Apparently, and I haven't read too much on this, I guess there's some significant permanent damage that's been done to his lungs from COVID. Um, I I don't really know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what that means for his future in the sport. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think he's like afraid of Leon Edwards, but it's definitely his first real test as far as that division or anyone really goes in the UFC. So I mean, you could I guess make the argument maybe he's just ducking, but I don't think so. Uh he looked really promising. Obviously, he had like three wins in like a month or whatever, like something crazy to like a couple months. 
he was lighting it up, and now he's pulled out a couple times. So I, I don't know what his future is. If the lung damage is permanent and serious, like they are leading it on to leading us to believe, I maybe there's a chance he doesn't fight again. I, I doubt that, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know about that situation, but it is a situation that should be addressed. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Leon Edwards, I guess, too. Leon hasn't fought in a long time, and he's like, he wants a fight. Uh, I'm trying to see. Let me pull it. He, and he called someone out. I think he called out Nate Diaz. So that kind of goes into our next topic, that Nate Diaz has just become a fucking clown, a complete clown through and through. I mean, he's not, you can't be a gangster and talk about, oh, I'm, I'm about all this shit, and then just not accept any fights, or just pretend like everyone's irrelevant that isn't you. It's it's ridiculous. Um, So Nate Diaz, I, I don't know what to say about him anymore. Now they're talking about Nick Diaz maybe coming back as well. I fuck both the Diaz brothers. I mean, I want to see him fight. They're exciting to watch, but like, don't talk about how you're about it and all this stuff, and then just not accept any fight. Nate is not the draw that I think he believes he is anymore, at least. Like, he talks like he's Conor McGregor in the sense of like any fight you put him in, um, people are gonna people are gonna pay to see, uh. I don't even know if Nate Diaz is a main event draw anymore, honestly. And I don't think he'd fight for anything other than that. So I don't know. He's at an odd stalemate right now with the UFC. And it's either, dude, accept the fights they're giving you or go your merry way. I, I think there should be... The the fights for Connor right now are Diaz, the Diaz trilogy and the Poirier trilogy. So... If you're Nate, I guess you obviously you want that Connor trilogy, but in the meantime, do something else, man. Like you got your ass whooped in your last fight against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I think that was his last fight, if I remember correctly. Um, so why why are you? It's not. This isn't 2010 anymore. Like you're not, or whatever 2012. Like it's. You're not the draw that you think you are. You're really not the draw that you think you are anymore. A lot of people, like, he's, he's phased out of the company. Anyway, he's still a good fighter. He's still a dog. He's still what it means to be a tough fighter that takes a lot of damage. And he's exciting in that sense if you're not, if you're a non-casual fan. Um, but it's just annoying to watch him go on Twitter all the time and be like, these fucking pussies won't fight me. And then... I'm sorry, he fought, his last fight was, yeah, no, was it Jorge? Why are you looking at that weird? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, it was, okay, yeah, it was Jorge, okay, um, you, you want a fight, they give you a fight, or someone calls you out, and you just sort of like, who the fuck are you, and it's like, these are established fighters, they're not nobodies. Leon Edwards is not a nobody, and if he wants you, then I think that's the perfect fight to make right now. Honestly, it's a comeback fight for both of them. So sign the papers, Nate, if that's what you want to do. You want to be a fighter, fight. You know. Um. But yeah, that's that's kind of all I have to say about that, I guess. All right, so now we're gonna preview the next fucking card. Holy shit, do we have a banger? Do we have a banger? Um. I think there's actually Derek Lewis in between, so I apologize. I was referring to UFC 259, which is going to be great, too. Um, I think that's the next card. Him versus Curtis Blades. February 20th. Yeah, this is the next one. So, we got more fights coming at you, folks. This is what the UFC does, baby. It's every weekend now, which is awesome. Um, This Saturday, it will be Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis in the main event. We have Charles Rosa fighting Derek Minner. Kathleen Vieira versus Yanni Yana Kunitsiaka. Kunitsiaka? I have no idea how to say that. Alexi Olenek versus uh, Chris Takis. And uh, Phil Hawes fighting Nazdorin. 
am am above. I, I'm gonna kind of I won't sit here and pretend like I know who most of these people are. I know Charles Rosa, Alexia Olenek, man, fifty nine, fourteen and one coming into this fight. Like, what can you say about that guy, man? That's that's crazy. Uh, let me see if there's some prelims for you guys. I believe there is. There is on every fight. I don't know why I said that. Andre Arlovsky's fighting on the prelims. Totally forgot about that. Andre Arlovsky, Andre Arlovsky versus Tom Espinali. Jared Gordon versus Danny Chavez. Um, Drakkar Closa fighting again versus Luis Pena. That's a great fight. Eddie Winland, the guy who got knocked out by Sean O'Malley, is fighting John Castaneda. Nate Landwehr versus Julian Arosa. <clears throat> That's a good fight, actually. Shanna Dobson versus Casey O'Neill. Chaz Skelly versus Jamal Emmers. Alamein Zabi versus Draco Rodriguez. And Sergey Spivak versus Jared Vanderera. V- Vandera. Vandera. So, um, yeah. Not much about this one. Uh, <laughs> it's Derek Lewis, man. Who doesn't love Derek Lewis? If you don't, you're a clown. So that should be the um a good main event. I I like I said, I'm not gonna lie. I I don't know a lot of these fighters on this, but we're gonna watch the fights. We're gonna break them down, and um hopefully Jeff will be able to join me for the next one. He's feeling better and uh no COVID or anything like that. So we will see, my friends. Thank you guys for listening again. This is every uh, if this is your first time listening. This is in the clinch where we break down everything from the early prelims to the main event of every UFC card. And also tune in every Thursday for the boys back home with me and my brother Matt. We should have a couple we got a couple guests lined up, so hopefully we can get these guys in person and or on Zoom, whatever. We haven't done it yet. We haven't we haven't figured out everything yet. But we got stuff growing. Um, follow me on Twitch at Diesel, D-E-A-Z-I-L-L. Uh, I try to stream as much as I can now. I just kind of got it set up. It's fun to do. Um, there's a couple videos I'll be tweeting out. I got some stuff on my page already. Uh, and that'll do it for In the Clinch episode two. Thanks, guys, for listening. Be kind to somebody.